Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the We Are CCA podcast. I am your host, one of your hosts, uh, Jake Ramsey. We are bringing you another special episode today about careers. Uh, we're going to be uh, exp- uh, expanding the series today. Uh, one Another episode with a great guest. Uh, but with me today actually are two co-hosts. I have one uh, co-host that you know and another co-host that you guys don't know. He's going to have a chance to introduce himself as well to you guys for the first time. So, uh, Ian, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Robbie, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Um, my name is Robbie Zarenberg, or Mr. Zarenberg, uh, to the students, and I'm career exploration, career facilitate, career facilitation coordinator uh, in the Pittsburgh area, and working out of our soon new home of TechWorks at the waterfront. Yeah. So now, now our our team has expanded by one. So now there's three of us. So I don't know if that's a good thing for our guest or a bad thing for our guest, but she, she's getting three hosts today. So uh, we have uh, a really great guest for you guys today from a really great organization, but I'm going to let her introduce herself, who she is, what she does, who she works for. So take it away. Hi, everybody. My name is Mara Peduto, and I work for an organization called Catalyst Connection. I've uh, been around about 25 years. It's a nonprofit. Originally, uh, we were created to work with manufacturing companies and their current employees, kind of their needs. I always say that we work with them on people, products, and processes, whatever they needed in there. Over the last 10 to 15 years, we've started getting more into that like talent workforce pipeline side. So those are the uh, people coming up, students. Um, in high schools and colleges who would be looking to fill the new or retiring positions in those manufacturing companies. In my current role, I'm a workforce development consultant, nice and fancy name for kind of being the bridge between um, the students uh, in the schools and in the colleges, in the companies, the manufacturing companies. Mark, can you talk a little bit about some of your day-to-day stuff, some of the day-to-day tasks and duties that you have? Of course. So I run more fancy words. I run a state registered apprenticeship program and a pre-apprenticeship program. I created it about two years ago when there became this huge need and looking to fulfill of um, there's a bunch of retiring workers in manufacturing, but no one's coming into it. And they wanted to build some structure around it. It sounds simple to say, hey, we need folks to get into these companies, but there was no training or formal program around it. And that's what this apprenticeship originally became. I come to a company, what do I need to do to advance? And then it went one step further. Well, what about these students in colleges, Votex and high schools? How can they best prepare themselves before they would go to the companies? And that's where pre-apprenticeship came around. So there's some curriculum around that, bring it down to the high school, college level to better um, get the pipeline uh, skills that they would have had in order to get into the company. And that's what <clears throat> that's what you do with Catalyst, right? You guys. Are, that's you- what I currently do with Catalyst. Yeah, I run or manage some other Catalyst gets a lot of uh, grant training dollars to help in um, different areas, organizations. And I also manage those. So we have some relationships with, you know, community colleges, Allegheny County, Westmoreland Community College, uh, New Century Careers training providers of how we can best you know, manage their programs too with what we can provide, not only our companies, but our schools. Now you're based out of the Pittsburgh area? 
Yeah, we are in Hazelwood. We just moved to a new facility. It's pretty cool. It used to be an old steel building. They've kept the outer structure of it. So it looks just like someone tore down, but left the metal beams and they built glass offices on the inside. So we're downtown close to Southside. And is that, do you typically just serve the Pittsburgh area or are you statewide? So we're, (laughs) Catalyst is an organization when there's one of six of us in Pennsylvania. So we do serve counties. So we have 12 counties in the Southwestern PA. Um, So not just Pittsburgh, but we do Armstrong County, Somerset, Westmoreland, Washington, the surrounding counties as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for being the guest today. Really appreciate you coming in. We've already, we've all met you before, but now our CCA families are going to get a chance to meet you through the podcast. So Excited to have you here uh, to talk a little bit about Catalyst and jobs and manufacturing, really. Um, one of the things that, that you talked about was, you know, building that bridge for those high in demand jobs uh, in manufacturing. What are those right now? Right now is the key question, right? Because especially COVID impacted. So three years ago, one of the grants I was on asked me to look at employment demand um, currently, that was three years ago. And in that I worked with about a hundred companies and that was in the surrounding uh, Pittsburgh areas. And what was interesting that we found out is we thought it was going to be technical production workers that they were asking for. And their actual number one need was entry level. I need people to just get in here and then I'll build them up. I actually don't want to hire some of my technical workers because what's come about in the last 10 to 20 years is a lot of company specific needs. No much, not that it wouldn't be great to get welder training, but a lot of it becomes, well, I need my specific company welder training. Um, And I would rather have someone come in entry level, learn my manufacturing shop floor, and then I get them the specific technical training. So entry level machine operator, um, entry level jobs became their number one need and their greatest hiring needs in the next three to five years. So pandemic happens um, and we've been trying to figure out, does that need still exist? Yes, the entry level, but we are starting to see a lot of the CNC machine operators, you know, welders. Maintenance is becoming a huge um, area need for companies. And then robotics is probably that new shiny job. I in way to call it, but the problem around robotics is um, it's so new. Some manufacturing companies have it or they plan to have it. Um, so we're kind of trying to prepare a workforce for roles that we know will be coming. But greatest demand, entry level, welding, CNC machine operator. And and when and you, you do a fair amount of sort of communicating with high school students. What what, when you talk to them about manufacturing jobs and careers, what are some of the responses that you get? Like, what are some of maybe the, the, the misconceptions that they have about jobs and manufacturing? That it's an entry level minimum wage paying job would probably be my first um, thought when you say that. Um, a lot of people talk about it still having that like uh, quote unquote, dirty misconception. I'm going to be up to my knees and I feel like in this grit and grime. And that's really not true. I I would say most facilities, you would be surprised at how not only clean cut it is, but they have their organization or what it's called actually in the manufactured floors is 5S. 
Um, and it's how most companies look at like sorting and setting their organization up. And it's this, you know, huge standard. If anything, they've spent so much time trying to um, not have that, you know, dirty misconception. There's also this, and um, I see this in my apprenticeship program a lot, that these people, the, the, these employees are making wages that people out of colleges probably wouldn't be making for their first, you know, maybe five, even 10 years. Um, and these are employees who are going in entry level jobs and being offered to be built up. So that's the biggest misconception I think that there is, is that it's just a minimum wage job that doesn't lead much to anywhere. And it's not seen as a very stable job. Um, you know, I think we've learned in the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs, but guess what kept growing? Manufacturing jobs. Not only were, are they stable, but there's so much room for growth. And so many of the companies are willing to say, please start at entry level and please tell me you want to keep growing because I am more than willing to invest in you, invest in any trainings you want, any education you want, and build you to the skill set you would like to be. How has the recent developments in the Western PA area, especially like with this shell cracker plant, um, the studies that the Allegheny Conference have put out on the jobs that are needed in the future and that 85,000 jobs shortage that's going to be there by 2025, how has the entry-level jobs and other other jobs um, that you help um, teach students about really how did they? How did those things basically make an impact in in, in what you guys do? Influence um, in terms of you know what you talk with students about and prepare students. I think it influences more the training opportunities we choose to try to pursue or we think would make the most sense, and that's why you'll see a lot of it, um, especially for students. We try to make any training opportunities um, ambiguous or open to any manufacturing content context. You'll see a lot around safety and a lot around quality because no matter if you're working at a manufacturing plant, a shell cracker plant, those are two concepts that going into any of those organizations, if you have knowledge and foundations of that, uh, companies see incredible value in that. And it's a huge cause of concern for them, right? That's what costs the money is lack of quality and lack of safety. So having that, so we look at providing any manufacturing knowledge that can, you know, uh, our companies do all sorts of different things, and I want to give students the knowledge to be able to go to any of those organizations, no matter what they do manufacture or what the position is. Mara, that leads me to like the next question here is what, what sort of, how do you get into the entry-level positions? Like, I mean, obviously, I mean, companies value skills and knowledge um, and experience, but if you're looking for an entry-level job, I mean, you might just be coming out of high school and not have worked ever. Um, how can students kind of get some knowledge or kind of lead into that entry-level position to make them more competitive? Partnering with anyone either in a school or organizations, not just like Catalyst, but any, um, middle bridge organization who has those company contacts. I'm going to tell you right now, you could probably go to any manufacturing company right out of high school. And if you show that you have a work ethic or you would like to have a job, they're going to not only interview you, but they will hire you. Um, honestly, the uh, three years ago, the biggest problem I 
in part of an HR peer network. So the biggest problem HR was finding was they couldn't get people to pass a drug test. Um, and that was their hardest barrier to entry level. So when you ask me what students can do, it's, you know, proving, even if you've never worked in manufacturing before, did you have a job before having even a letter of recommendation for maybe a previous job you had that shows that you have a work ethic. That was the other thing, you know, basic employability skills, work ethic, and being able to pass a drug test is probably the number one thing our companies are looking for in that entry level positions even with no manufacturing background. Also, if you have participated with your school in, um, I know there's like manufacturing innovation challenges, or maybe you attended a manufacturing seminar. A lot of times we think it has to be some sort of formal training and it doesn't have to be just having some sort of knowledge. Hey, I watched some YouTube videos that showed things. I think kind of being maybe more proactive in looking at a job or even looking at a company, if you know what the company does and maybe gaining some background knowledge in the company, what's that niche you're bringing to the company that goes, oh, this person has no experience, but guess what they did? They took the time out to learn about my company. They took the time to learn about the position. I think those bring in um, edge to a uh, candidate. One of the one of the things you mentioned early earlier was, you know, how the manufacturing companies um, have specific needs to the company. Not not every manufacturing company has the same needs the same thing from the from its employees. But there's got to be some overlap with as far as just some basic skills and knowledge base that um, most people who are successful in manufacturing have. What are some of the ones that stand out to you? What are some of the more transferable skills maybe from one company to the next the first thing when you think that i i think is osha 10 which is a safety certification it's just like a 10 hour actually um safety course you take that that is seen as high prize in facilities something also as simple as first aid and cpr is another small certification it is actually part of my apprenticeship program that i have with companies both of those um, are big skills Soft skills, um, soft skills are behaviors and attitudes, um, harder to measure, but any sort of, you know, training recommendation or um, I always say seminar conference, any type of work done around that is always a good idea. I always say people get hired for their technical skills, but they usually get let go because of soft skills. So that is usually an entry level that can be a problem with a lot of our companies is they find that lacking of the soft skills. So if you can show a way to provide that or that you're working on that, that's another big thing. But OSHA 10 in like first aid CPR is a great bring to the table. So those, those are typically things that like if what, whether I go to company A or company B, if I have those in my pocket, I'm going to look pretty good when I walk in there. Almost every, I actually shouldn't say that, every company, yes. Um, in any manufacturing context, OSHA, which Occupational Safety and Health Association, um, is the gold standard. And if you have that, any company would, one, be very surprised and very happy because they usually have to pay out of pocket for their employees to get that. And, and how, uh, is that an online program? Is that a, how, how is that obtained? 
So there might be some online programs now. So my apologies, I'm sure in this day and age there is, but usually there are different um, safety organizations. I think like Max Safety is one, or there's another CMI. They have, it's a train or usually, you could probably go to a community college would be the best bet um, to have something like that. Awesome. Yeah, I think skills is the, the, the sort of the thing that, you know, it, whether you're working in manufacturing that, for a company that makes furniture or you're making, you know, steel beams for construction or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there, there, there's gotta be, you know, some, some overlay where, you know, you having this, you know, having an OSHA certification, you know, gets your foot in the door at a number of different places. So, you know, say you're working at a, you know, for a manufacturer that's making furniture and and it's just not your thing and you want to move to another company you know, take, it might not be, they may not have anything to do with making furniture, but you, you know, that OSHA certification and some of those other skills that you talked about, you know, get your foot in the door somewhere else. And you're making a good point too. And that's something that I think people getting in the floor in any manufacturing company, learning what you like and what you don't like is probably, I think the biggest thing you can spend doing in your twenties. Um, instead of looking for that perfect manufacturing job up front or even a perfect company up front, it's, you know, getting into one, like you said, if I go into a furniture manufacturer and I don't really enjoy that, that's still work experience and work experience in a manufacturing company. Um, sometimes it's hard to determine what skills will be across, but you know what company B will be able to determine, Oh, well, I know in furniture manufacturing, they use X machine. My machine here doesn't do the same thing, but it has, you know, the same kind of programming or, um, it allows that another company to take what you know from that context. So, uh, manufacturing knowledge, and that's, what's great. So because it's company specific, there's just general floor, like shop knowledge, even shop terminology, right? That might be had in all of those places. And I think that's the number one thing I've learned in my position because Catalyst does work. We don't work with one type of manufacturer. They're all different kinds. Um, and I, just so everyone knows, did not come from a manufacturing background. I never worked at a manufacturing plant. I've always worked in the people side of it. I've been surprised at going to different companies and hearing them call things the same, like different materials they'd call it. I'm like, is this just like a, a known name? And it's, it's slang that's used. And so I think even having that knowledge is um, huge. I think that that's, that's kind of interesting that you say that because like we talked to, you know, a number of different people in the medical field and, you know, whether you're, are, you know, working in radiology or you're working in the ER or you're working in, you know, patient care or whatever, you know, there's some basic terminology that everybody uses in the medical field. So we've been actually recommending to our students that, Hey, you know, if, if you want a career in medical, you know, to be comfortable and sort of be able to operate within that space, med medical terminology is a course that we offer. It, it might be beneficial to you. So are there things like that, that are, um, I mean, obviously through Catalyst, do you offer that through your pre-apprentice program? So we have a class, I think it's actually usually combined in a quality course. It's like, um, you know, measurement materials. So you'll see a lot of the same measurement tools. And I thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's something I didn't like think of before. A lot of tools you'll use in the different manufacturing companies will if not the exact same, you know, micrometers, calibers, those will be used. Um, it may be in different ways at different companies. So 
we do have courses like that. Those are included in the pre-apprenticeship program and you'll see them fall under quality a lot because a lot of those are quality tools um, that get used in most, not all manufacturing companies kind of use the same quality tools just in different ways. So having that knowledge and being able to bring it to the table is helpful to the companies. Can you talk about the lessons um, that are taught in your pre-apprenticeship program? So in the pre-apprenticeship program, we have two overarching modules, safety and quality. Under each, both of those is about 10 to 11 courses. Um, these are part of a larger certification, uh, certified production technician. And it is the certifying body of Manufacturing Standards Skills Council. It's a nationwide industry-led credential. We took two of those modules, safety and quality, for the reasons we've been talking about. They can go across any manufacturing context. It's a great career exploration. It introduces you to manufacturing concepts and terms and instruments you may have never heard of or thought you knew and you really actually didn't know what they're used for. In these classes, they kind of build some foundational knowledge. You look at teamwork, communication, um, and then it leads into what does safety look like at most manufacturing plant floors? What do you do when you see safety um, kind of combines that communication tool? The safety course is good because it also kind of does an introduction into any manufacturing company. What does it look like? How are they usually structured? The next one is quality and uh, transparency. Quality is the biggest thing my companies and their employees struggle with. Um, even people who've worked there for 25 years, we get stuck in our ways of doing things and quality has evolved from 25 years ago and they still see quality issues to this day. Uh, the quality module has been huge for our pre-apprenticeship program because it's laying that foundational new evolved knowledge of quality. What does it look like? Why is it so important to have a quality product? We all know why we order from Amazon, we get products and when they're not up to par, there's something chipped, there's a missing part, it's not working, we're all frustrated. Um, and usually that leads to a return, whether it's an actual refund or you know the company loses money in that. And so quality is such a number one concern and cause of issue for them. In the pre-apprenticeship program, it kind of hits home why is quality so important. And what most companies are looking for is providing that knowledge to um, students, or people who are coming on board because they found when they like drill at home, then it causes less quality issues um, down the road. Also in that course is when you'll learn a lot about the tools, um, different terminology. What's cool about a lot of those courses, it's online content, um, but it has actual simulators in there and you click on things. Uh, it's a cool way to start learning. Maybe I knew what a CNC machine looked like, but I had no idea that you programmed in one place and then you watch the programming out in another. It's cool too, especially when you think it's not easy to get on a manufacturing shop floor. A lot of the times, you know, you need your safety goggles. You can't just walk into a company and say, hey, can I go look at your shop floor? This at least identifies you with them. Now I know what a CNC machine um, looks like. I know that they're, I'm gonna tell you right now, I didn't know that you programmed a CNC machine as in like actual functions. I thought you kind of just hit a button um, in my naiveness. So it's interesting to learn it in theory before you would go see it in practice. Laura, you know what I was wondering too? I mean, there's so many different types of manufacturing out there. Uh, 
And like you say, manufacturing, like you're thinking CNC. I mean, if you've never heard of CNC, you know, manufacturing, but manufacturing is also food manufacturing mm-hmm. or medical equipment manufacturing. I mean, there's some manufacturing floors you could legitimately eat off of the floors because they're in a clean room mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's completely sanitary. Um, you know, so could, are you able to go over like some of like the different areas of manufacturing just off the top of your head? So it almost wants me to ask, like when you say medical device companies, I think of a, that specific company and what the areas are. It's easier for me if you told me, hey, what does this company have in it than the overarching? So there are things like um, clean rooms. So in a clean room, everything has to be um, clean. But more than that, there can't be, it's more loose things you have to be careful of. Um, and that could be because it's going to get sucked up or it can't, the product can't afford dirt in it. You'll see this in the medical field. You'll also see this in um, power transformers. Power transformers have clean rooms. You'll see electronic rooms. You'll see assembly rooms. Um, you'll see, I'm trying to think of different companies. Um, we have a gasket and um, shim company that they call it the tinker room, but they call it the tinker room because of a noise made by a specific machine, but only one person's allowed in it at, you know, at one point in time, something you'll find about manufacturing companies is that, that they have these different rooms that you'll hear that slang again, people make up names for them as they go. Something across all um, manufacturing, shipping and receiving, um, the warehouse, inventory. I don't know if I maybe have more specifics for you unless I knew a specific company. Is there, are there differences in, in companies that sort of work in raw materials that produce parts for, like, are there, are there companies that take things from raw material to finished product? And are there other companies that take the raw materials only to parts and pieces, and then those parts and pieces are assembled by other manufacturing companies through automated processes and stuff like that? Yeah, you'll find um, in manufacturing, you'll be surprised at how much a lot of it actually is the latter that you were talking about. They... Um, build things up to a degree before it gets shipped out in there's a company over here. It's pretty big. It's called Oberg and they have what they call a showroom and it's what all of their products actually go into, which is like razors um, and all like small household goods to also like things on tanks. Um, So it's interesting actually to find, I think something more manufacturing companies need to do is actually tell people what their products are getting put into. Yeah, there are some, I would say actually there's probably a smaller amount of people who take like a raw material and have an actual good that you might see versus they are a part of it. I was talking about, you know, a gasket and shim, I guess it's a finished product at the end, but it's a small cog and a bigger wheel of the, of the reason why they do it. It's also actually interesting too, how many manufacturing companies are manufacturing something for another manufacturing company. Um, there's a company here, it's a chemical company and they make specific adhesive that my, in my gasket and shim company use for their gaskets and shim. And then the gasket and shim goes to another company to put in a bigger part. And you start realizing how much of a connected world it is. Um, but to your point, I, I want to start focusing, or I would challenge manufacturing companies to kind of start um, telling students, this is actually what you're manufacturing into. It's a product that you're very well aware of, or I, they make products for something as small as razors and as big as tanks underneath of the same roof. 
you know, I was talking, I was looking up another company in my area and like, I'm like, what do they do? And I looked it up, they make fasteners. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. What, what is, what's a fastener? <laughs> and then I'm like realizing like, oh, fasteners are in everything. I mean, they just, you know, they just bring things together. So, I mean, they're in cars, they're in everything. Um, and so they, that, that's what they do. And they're probably one of the leading, you know, fastener companies out there. Um, and their products are in everything. And I'm like, oh, wow, well, okay. <laughs> it doesn't sound cool, right? When you say it like that, but when you start learning about the specific, like what, what those fasteners are going into or what you didn't realize, fasteners are in everything, but they're a very important part of everything. And I think learning that is um, good for not only students, I think a lot, I've had to teach that to a lot of the employees I work with at companies who never realize the things that they're making, what they actually went into. What, so you talk, you said about, you, you think it would be good for companies, these manufacturing companies talk about the products that they make and sort of maybe what those uh, products go into as far as their, da- you know, things that you use on a daily basis, like razor blade. I don't use a tank on on a daily basis, but, you know, razor blades to tanks, which is kind of interesting to see how, how those parts, how a manufacturing company could, you know, make a part for razor blades and also parts for, uh, tanks. What are, what are some of the things that you, if, if you had a magic wand, right. And you could say, and you could wave it over the manufacturing industry, what are some things that you would say, um, would, would be areas that we could, that we could do to promote these jobs more effectively with, with our students. So something I've been really waving my magic wand over companies with is the use of social media, right? We've seen this great influx of not only, I guess, social media, but pictures, right? And there's a reason that Instagram is, you know, probably one of the most uh, used social media is because people identify. It's easy to look at a picture and see something. And I think our manufacturing companies sometimes get stuck in their like older ways. They don't see the benefit, but they're not realizing that these newer generations, that's how they identify with things or why they would want to work with something because they saw something that they liked or saw something that interested them. So something that's been a huge push. And I think a lot of companies are starting to see that within the last five years that this, um, it's worth it to invest in things like social media. It's worth it to invest in, you know, marketing around the actual products instead of the marketing prior had been on getting the contracts to make those products and not thinking about needing workers. We're in a different day and age, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they weren't having problems, you know, finding talent. People were lining up. My dad told me it was cool to go to X, Y, and Z company. I went, I applied, and I've been working there for the last 20, 30 years. It's not the same anymore. Now they're having people retiring, and no one's coming in and saying, hey, my parent told me this was so neat to do, or I saw your ad outside on your front uh, lawn, and I needed a job. You know, People have different options now. So manufacturing companies have to be competitive. And one of those ways is you know, using social media using different types of marketing, whether it's pictures, videos we've seen, right? I've done this with my apprenticeship program. Can be a little bit harder because again, companies are sometimes doing, especially medical device companies, they have secret sauces. They don't want you to see what's going on, but kind of, we need to show a better picture of what manufacturing looks like. What you said, eating off the floor, I have few companies, guess what they do? Sunday night cleanup because they want Monday morning, they want you to eat off the floor. That is their whole reason for doing it. 
Um, so trying to show that, right, that it's different. That's how you change the perception is merely by showing it. Uh, so it's kind of getting companies to buy in into show the pictures, take the pictures. It doesn't always have to be uh, carefully crafted either. You know, show the, uh, someone um, doing the nitty gritty work. It's not nitty gritty in what it looks like. Uh, it's just, I think, showing it and defeating that perception. Yeah, I, I think one of, the, one of the things that, like, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, you know, when I was a kid, I, I live, uh, right now, I live about 45 minutes away from Hershey Park, right? Sweetest place on earth, right? Smells like chocolate when you walk down the street, and it does, for real. Um, but one of the most popular rides is the ride in chocolate world where you just get in a little, you know, buggy and it takes you through a, you know, a mock factory of how the chocolate's made and they show it to you. They show you it from raw material to the nice candy bar that you are able to pick out of the basket when you leave. Um, they're probably not doing that anymore with COVID, but they're, you know, someday you'll be able to go through and pick the, a free piece of candy out of the basket again. And, but I think like as a kid, I remember looking at that and just being fascinated with the, the process of it all. And I don't, I don't think that, I think that those videos and those pictures and things would be beneficial for companies to get out there and provide a visual to, Hey, this is, it's, it's not just about, we take this and then make this. It's the whole thing. It's the A to Z process of it all. That's, that's the intriguing part. It's the, it's the reason why, you know, they have that TV show that runs on public cable news, the how it's made, you know, I love those things because, you know, you get to see like, I, I watched them make uh, a Louisville slugger baseball bats and all of the little specific specs and, you know, details that go into each little, in each design of the bat. It's not just a, a you know, take a slab of wood and make it, make a bat shape. It's, the shape of the handle, it's the size of the grip, it's the, the angle of the bell, it's all of the things that go into it. And it's, it's down to every little detail. And that's the part I think that um, is where if, if you can show that you sort of capture the imagination, right, you sort of um, pull back the veil and, and, and allow people to see maybe a little bit of that secret sauce, right, a little bit about, a little bit about sort of what goes into it. And I think it, it opens their minds up to being part of some, uh, playing a role in a bigger, a bigger part, right? You know, being, being a, a member of a team that produces these things that people use. So like, you know, when you're seeing those commercials of the guys, you know, shaving their faces with the razors, Hey, my company makes those razor blades, you know, um, that's, that's kind of cool. I, I think, I think if you can make that connection for students, those, th these types of careers and jobs will be much more attractive than maybe they are now. And some of those misconceptions may not be there. And you brought in something else that I wish, you know, my magic wand I'll take back out with companies is during that process, the people in the process, right? No one asked, you know, these manufacturing companies and their employees, almost every manufacturing company I walked into, and I've walked into a lot Companies have been there for, I mean, employees have been there for 20 to 30 to 50 years. You like it that much? The answer is yes. Um, people, they're part of a team. 
uh, the employees at these companies, regardless of what they're making, they have pride in what they're doing because they know about, you know, the pro they understand the bigger picture. And I've asked some of these, you never left, like you enjoyed this. And it was, they said, it's a family, um, the people that they work with, the process that they feel like they've, um, you know, been in, in developed in and have helped create because that's something else, um, that's maybe not talked about a lot in manufacturing companies. They're starting to understand how much it's not the process, it's the people who make the process, um, the people who best understand how to make the process and the product better. Um, so when you talk about going into a manufacturing company, you're not just an individual on a line, on a machine, on a robotics arm, you know, making it move. You're a person who's actually creating and enhancing a product. You're part of a team of people who are taking pride in that product. And I always thought that was, you know, a beautiful thing where we see a lot of other companies with turnover. Guess what? I don't see that in manufacturing. I see people who, you know, you're talking about making baseball bats. They truly are feel like a sports team. When you go in there, they do not mess around with one another. There's a lot of good ribbing um, and stuff of that nature, but I've never seen more of a family love environment from the 19 year old who just came out of high school to the 65 year old who's facing retirement. It is a, it's a beautiful relationship and I can completely understand why they've stayed on as long as they have. What are some specific companies, uh, you mentioned before about Oberg Industries, what are some specific companies that you work with that students would be like, hey, I would love to work at that company, whether the company is here on Western PA or has a presence across the state. Is there some examples you could give and why you, you, you may say for those students to well, I will after this? be biased in some of my answers. I'm always going to think of the companies I'm kind of working the most with right now. So sure. this is my shout out to all the other companies. If they ever hear this, why they're not getting it. Um, uh, there's a company, Hemonetics, and that's a medical device company. Um, I think, especially because of just the current um, world situation, right? I think uh, there's not a lot thought of, you know, when we talked about essential workers, my husband works in healthcare. So I think of him, but you don't think about the people who are making the products who go into it and hemonetics. I'm going to butcher this, but it has to do, it's, you know, out of it, it's, it has to do with blood. And I believe bloodletting, um, I'll stop speaking on that before I get it wrong. Um, but the, the, you don't think, you think about the people doing it, but you don't sometimes think about the products that need to be made about it. So medical device companies are pretty cool. Um, there's another company, uh, Schroeder Industries, and I'm smiling at that mainly because when we were talking about, you know, taking pride in not only the company, but in the facility, this is top-notch grade A organization in terms of, you know, cleanliness and making sure that every tool has its place and striving to keep it that way. That's a big thing, right? Companies can maybe reach, or we do that with our own houses. I can reach cleanliness. Can I keep it that way? That's the hard thing. And that is an organization that has really made sure that that stays at the forefront of um, the company mind. It's also a company that has really focused on bringing up individuals. And that's always a good thing to look for. I would say most manufacturing companies do it, but those that really make a point of taking you from any position and seeing where you want to go. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of more, but I'm not doing such a great job. Yeah, we kind of put you on the spot with that one. No, and that's okay because I do work with 
you know, I'm trying to start doing that Rolodex in your mind of different, of different companies. And I always say this too, because we look at placing, you know, candidates as well, learning about an individual or learning about a company, you can find fits, right? Because every company does have something, maybe it's their niche. Like I was talking, talking about with some of them that make them like different than the rest. Sometimes it's the products they make. Sometimes it's the processes they've put in place. And sometimes it's the people they have in the roles that really make the difference. Sounds very true. There's one more I just thought of. Sorry, um, Mitsubishi. The huge generators. That was another one when we were talking about clean rooms. You're talking about generators that are, that I had to see people get on cranes to get um, a part of. So Mitsubishi um, is a huge one. And then an interesting connection is I had a company um, brush that um, repairs them. So we have one company that can make things, but there's another company who actually does the repairs on them. And I always thought that was an interesting um, tidbit too. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, I, I have to claim a little, you know, I have to kind of fess up to my own ignorance. I, I didn't know a whole lot about, um, jobs in manufacturing. Uh, I didn't, it wasn't really, um, something that I have a lot of, of experience with. It wasn't really something that my parents or, or I have any exposure to, but, you know, talking with you and kind of getting the information today, it's like, I mean, you know, it, it, I think it's one of those things where it, you know, we as a team, you know, Robbie, Ian and I, you know, we really focus on career. And once we identify the career, then we sort of go back and kind of backtrack and go, okay, here's the path to get there. But everything is career focused and centered. Um, I think sometimes it gets lost. The, the, the career gets lost. It's more about what's just, what's the next step, right? So for a lot of our kids and for a lot of our students, it's, it's college, right? They're thinking about where am I going to go to school? Well, you know, what, what does that, what does that next step lead you to? What is the end result going to, to, where's that going to lead you to? And I think that manufacturing is one of those things where if you take a, a, a talk to a student who maybe knows the college is, is not in the, in the plans for them, it's not, you know, next step, but you know, they're kind of like, well, if, if I don't do that, then I'm just going to be, you know, resolute to, be washing dishes in a, in a restaurant somewhere or something like that. And there's nothing wrong with that work, but manufacturing, you know, those entry level jobs are great career starters. And maybe, you know, we as a team, um, you know, need to get out, need to get out there and really uh, promote this in, in a positive light to our students and our families and really talk more about um, careers in manufacturing. We, we have a couple of programs that are running right now. Um, hopefully maybe be working with catalyst in the future. Um, you know, no idea about that, but I think it's just, I think to talk about this more and, and, and have truthful and honest conversations with students and families is probably is, you know, going to produce some good results as far as putting a, I don't want to say putting a positive spin because, that seems like it's it's something negative that you're trying to make into it a positive. Down barriers. Yeah, exactly. 
had thought prior and a big note that I always want to say, it does not have to be college or job anymore. Um, You can get a job and still take college courses, but guess what? You can make money. You can have a company who helps pay for your college. I, full disclosure, did not go to college in the traditional sense in it was out of necessity more than it was out of what I wanted to do. I had to put a roof over my head at 19 years old. So I had to get a full-time job. I had to get a full-time job and a part-time job, but I still wanted to go to college. The beauty of the world we're living in right now is you can go to school online. You can go to school at night. You can go to school on the weekends. You cannot do college. You can do certification programs. Um, What's great about manufacturing is you can get the job, have that company pay for some part of, you know, a college course. It doesn't have to be a full college degree, just some college courses to bring you to that next level. They'll help you find certification programs, which might only be a year long. They can work with organizations like myself or other that have different certifying bodies to get you that. And I think it's breaking that down for not only students, but for parents for understanding it's no longer college or this uh, endless job. There is this beautiful like combining and finding different routes and growing in not coming out with college debt anymore or trying to find a job because you already have one and you continue your education in the best way for you and for your family as you grow older. Thank you so much. Appreciate the insight. Thank you for having me. This is great. Ian, you got anything? I was just going to say that. I mean, I think this is, it clearly shows that there's, there's more than one path to, to landing a, a good paying job that's not just a job, but it's a career. Um, and it's someplace that you can learn, grow, and, and stay in for a long time. And you can even take, I mean, if you don't stay at that company, you can go to another company and use the same skills. They're transferable. You just need to figure out what your passion is and, um, and where you belong in the, in the workforce. Yeah. I, I think this is, I think the information you shared today is invaluable. I think it will inform a lot of our our students and families that about jobs and and careers that maybe they didn't even consider. Um, And now it might be something that uh, at least is on their radar. So Mara, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on and agreeing to be on the podcast with us. Um, you're welcome back anytime. So thank you. Thank you so much for everything. Um, so uh, for all the listeners, we really appreciate you taking the time to check out the podcast today. Um, you know, really hope that uh, in the future, if you want to learn more about uh, careers in manufacturing, feel free to reach out to one of your career facilitation coordinators. We can get you in touch, hopefully maybe with Mara or, or someone else in, in manufacturing to answer whatever questions that you might have. And uh, never hesitate to reach out and um, get that information to make an informed decision about your careers moving forward. With that being said, remember that we are CCA. See you next time.